For West Ham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best West Ham videos and podcasts, download the free COY Irons app now from the App Store and Google Play. On episode 69 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, myself, Adam, Lou, and Aaron stop by to talk about West Ham's midweek matchup with Chelsea and try and squeeze any bit of positivity we can out of this pending fixture. We also talk about David Moyes and the option of who should start at right back thanks to Hammers Poll's question. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome to the Green Street Hammers podcast. This is a hopefully quick and abbreviated episode 69 for you here where we're previewing West Ham's uh, midweek clash, Canada Day clash for those Canadian supporters out there like Aaron and myself with Chelsea. Uh, But first, let's say hi to the gentleman that we have here with us. Lou, it's been a little while, but how are you doing? Good, sir. Yeah, good to be back. Um, Not as looking forward to watching West Ham as I was looking forward to being back on the podcast, but... That's a separate issue, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you know what? The positivity and excitement of having football back has quickly turned into just realism when it comes to West Ham, so I feel your pain with that one. Uh, And as mentioned, Aaron, uh, it is a a Canada Day spectacular for us and West Ham, so uh, I'm excited to have a game to watch on my holiday and also to talk about the the preview with you. So how's it going, Aaron? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to uh, watch West Ham on Canada Day. Hopefully they don't hurt too much of uh, a damper on the day. But after a, a week back, I think we're all pretty accustomed to the uh, the feeling of supporting West Ham. So it shouldn't be a shocker. Everything's right back to normal. Uh, I guess we should start... I mean, we're going to talk all things West Ham and Chelsea heading into this match. Uh, but the biggest thing to pop off since West Ham's uh, loss is basically that... West Ham Twitter and West Ham social media has completely turned on David Moyes and it was already headed that direction. But another game with Antonio up top for the entire match, another game with no real game plan um, has seen West Ham sort of fall apart here. And, and we've, we've already gone on about, you know, David Moyes and his quote unquote tactics for the Tottenham match and how disappointing that was. And also the player efforts, but I want to get your guys' opinion here. It doesn't seem all the ITKs are, are saying that it doesn't really matter what happens with West Ham this season. Moyes is going to be the man for the job, um, regardless of it, of its fin- finishing the Premier League season, staying up, or managing in the Championship next season. It seems like it's going to be David Moyes' position to lose. Have you had a major switch in your thoughts on David Moyes, and are you still of the belief that he can at least get something going here for West Ham? Uh, Lou, I want to come to you first here. Are you... Uh, resigned to, to Moyes staying at the club right now, or would you like to push for him to leave too? Yeah, at this point, well, when he first came uh, the second time around at New Year, uh, I think, like many fans, I was quite opposed to the idea because, you know, we got rid of him once. Why would he be good enough now? But, you know, we're... And then, obviously, we had quite a lot of bad results, but towards the end... Just before the break, we were we were looking quite sharp. We were looking fluid. Not the results necess- weren't necessarily coming in by the Southampton match, but you could see we might have turned the corner. And I think the break came just at the completely wrong time when things were beginning to click. And uh, you know, obviously, it goes without saying since we've been back, we've been hopeless and not good enough. 
and Moises looks completely devoid of any ideas and he's been very reactive with his decisions in terms of substitutions uh, rather than proactive like it at nil-nil against Tottenham he waits until we go a goal down to start bringing attacking players on and when Tottenham didn't look great they looked quite vulnerable if anything and by that time it was too late and I think he with the momentum that we had before the break things might have gone a bit different but I think we've lost all that now yeah, um, I'm hard, I'm finding a hard time disagreeing with you there, and I'll, I'll let you finish. But there was momentum going into the break here, the the unpredictable break, as it were, and it just seemed to slowly get ripped away from the team. Sorry, Lou, finish up your thought there. Yeah, there wasn't much more to say really. It was just it, it would have been nice to see what could have potentially happened if the unfortunate break didn't happen, but. You know, maybe it was just a tiny little purple patch and we've just gone back to the normality of David Moyes now anyway. So hopefully he can somehow keep us up. I think if we do stay up, it will be down to every other team being as useless as us rather than Moyes, you know, digging us out of the hole that we've got ourselves in. But I would like to see someone else in the new season, but I can't really see... uh, the owners admitting that they were wrong twice, so I think we're stuck with them. Whatever. Yeah, that seems to be that seems to be the position there. They're almost it's, it's pride for sure, but it's also I think they they're trying to prove that managers can trust them as their bosses, basically, um, because the leash was so short. Moyes technically succeeded in avoiding relegation as his only goal in his first in here was sacked. They brought in Pellegrini, that failed, and then the only manager who seemingly wanted the job back, even with all of his first-choice assistant coaches not wanting on uh, wanting on to join us here. So it seems like there may be a thinner list of recruits as possible, but you know that, that Deich link is looking enticing to me. Aaron, are you one of the, uh, the Moizo people? I know you've been trying to keep positive, and I try to do that as much as I can as well, but I, I mean... If you're not Moyes out, or even if you are, what's something we can at least hope, hopeful, hope for rather that would be positive for the end of the season here with Moyes at the helm? I'm not, I'm not quite Moyes out just yet. I think even prior to football returning, I've been, you know, fairly outspoken in my support of him. I really felt leading into the break, the way we had played, that that momentum could continue, and he had kind of started to understand the way he needed to manage this group of players. Uh, I'm genuinely hoping that if you know Hilaire gets back into the mix, that he can start playing some of the, the the way that the team played against you know not necessarily Liverpool, but against Southampton and Arsenal, where we were really uh, you know really attacking, really carrying play. But I mean, I agree with Lou fully. He seems absolutely kind of devoid of ideas right now. You know, the Antonio. I think Antonio is a far more effective player out in the wing. I don't understand why he's not willing to take a risk and put in Xander uh, Silva or a Jetty just just because that's their natural position. That's where they can play. And I often wonder sometimes, you know, like he, he just seems in terms of his substitutions and, and how he sets the team up that he's, you know, I wrote an article about he's just he's playing far too conservative, almost like a man who who knows it's his last chance and he's kind of, uh, you know, afraid to take any risks and oftentimes if you're not going to take a risk you kind of end up in that middle ground and 
you know, it's it's just a dangerous spot to be. In terms of what could happen with him, I, I like the Daish idea as well, actually. I kind of mentioned it last week, and I've really thought about it, and I think he could be a really good fit. You watch the way his teams play. They demand, he demands effort from them. It'd be a, a good opportunity for him, but I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I, I hope they turn it around, but I... I mean, I wrote the article that was about positivity last week, and most of the responses were basically just saying, in terms of what David Moyes can do to get confidence back in its leave, seemed to be the uh, most common response I got. So that's where everybody's at right now. You know what? And as funny as that is, I'm I'm almost on that same same wavelength as just leave. I think you know Nevins or uh, Kevin Nolan could do a better job, but. Um, or even Dmitry Hajelko, or whatever his name is, of the uh, under twenty threes coach. So, I'm I'm of the same belief with you guys. I think it's he's not the solution to the problem, but I also think we need to settle down and realize the club, like the club that we're at. We have bad owners. We know that we are in a you know we're in a relegation battle, and it seems to be a perennial relegation battle. If we're being honest here, and despite being able to attract top talents like Felipe Anderson, Sebastian Hilaire are top talented players, but they're not that upper echelon of like absolutely going to work players. So the fact that we lose Sebastian Hilaire right now, and that seems to be the scapegoat for all these problems. Imagine if we had lost Declan Rice or, you know, we have lost Angelo Agbana. We have lost Lucas Fabianski, but you know, Declan Rice is the best player on, on the pitch for us at all times. Think of the excuses we'd have for them. We might as well just say we're going to to League One because you know there's no way we could compete with Declan Rice out of the team. But th- that's just showing so many more issues when you look at the Hilaire situation with Moyes, with the board, with everything, with how this team's constructed. There's no Plan B uh, outside of Antonio running like a madman for an, for you know 90 minutes. So yeah, I, I, there's no resolution to that problem. But I do think. Moyes can dig himself out of this issue against Chelsea in one way, and that's basically playing his best players, making a gamble or two, and trying to at least spark something. Uh, it came out this week, I think Football London or Football.London, Sam Incrisol, I believe, wrote a piece on Moyes not trusting Albion Ajedi or Zonda Silva in a relegation battle, which to me is completely ridiculous when you don't have any other options. X then followed up saying that Allaire is most likely not going to be risked against Chelsea as we play Newcastle on the weekend anyways. Um, If you're not going to use Sebastian Allaire, it it would make sense to bring in someone. Like, West Ham played 4-4-2 in these matches or some variation of it, with even with Felipe Anderson up top. You need to play two strikers. You should play two strikers if you're going to stick to 4-4-2 and not wedge someone in there. Why not play, you know... My predict or my my desired eleven had Andre Yarmolenko and Zonda Silva up top, a tall player who can shoot the ball from range, who's technically skilled, and a young, hungry, fast player who can run the channels and hopefully get on the end of a nice ball. Makes sense to me. It's not even all that difficult, uh, and I just want something imaginative here. Uh, Lou, what are your thoughts on the starting eleven? Do you think we're going to see the same formation as a four four two, or do you think there'll be something different, maybe four two three one, something that? hopefully can can spur us forward or is it more of the same for Moyes? Yeah, I think it against Chelsea it'll be more of the same. Obviously you gotta respect your opponent. Chelsea are bang on form since the you know restart. They beat Man City last week and just beat Leicester uh, the other day in the FA Cup. But you know, we're at home where I was about to say we've got sixty thousand fans behind us obviously <laughs> Uh, but you know we're still at home. We've we've simply 
start got to start picking up points. So we've got to go for it. Chelsea aren't some, you know, like I say, they're on form, but they're not some all conquering side who, like Man City or Liverpool, who we're just not going to get anywhere near. We can take the game to them, but I'm just not sure whether Moyes will go in with that attitude, especially playing two up top. Um, but to be fair, I think if we do play two up top, we'll be playing two in the middle and then we'll get completely overrun by whoever's in Chelsea's three and Declan Rice will be left to sweep up on the midfield on his own again. So I can see why he wouldn't choose that formation, but I would like some form of attacking variety within the team. You know, whether that's an attacking 4-3-3 with Bowen and whoever on the other wing. But like like you say, I would like to see... uh, Yarmolenko giving a go up top. Um, he's got the quality, he's got the technical prowess. Like you say, he's a good finisher. And it certainly can't be worse than putting Antonio there, who just looks lost. And like Aaron said before, his best position is on the wing, his most effective position is on the wing. And you know, he can also support Yarmolenko when needed. He's better as a support man than the actual striker. So I, I don't I don't even know what I want against Chelsea. It's it's, it's difficult to say. Just, just I, something I just, different maybe. Just I just want whoever is on the pitch just to show, you know, effort and passion that which we've certainly lacked in the last two games since the restart and I wanna even if we do end up losing, I want to know that every player out there has put the bodies online, put 100% and whatever they can into that game. And uh, I think that would bode a lot better going into the more winnable fixtures that we've got coming up. Yeah, and, and I mean, that should be a baseline effort and desire to be out there, but it's not a guarantee these days. Aaron, what are your thoughts on formation? What do you want to see? And is there any players off the bench? I know you you uh, have been an admirer of Zonda Silva, I believe, in uh, in some writings here, but uh, who would you like to see for West Ham make an impact or at least be given a chance? And in, in what formation, as I mentioned, would you like to see West Ham line up? I took a look at the uh, the match back from I think it was November when David Martin was in that West Ham one 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 down and we played a even an attacking mind like Pellegrini actually set up as a four one four one believe it or not and I was looking <laughs> at that and I I mean that kind of summed up where Pellegrini was at at that point he was uh, he was even starting to maybe a shell of the person he once was but I'm I'm kind of comfortable going with some with that type of position with you know three in the center of the park and then. I would, I would really like to see, you know, Yarmolenko actually up top. I really like that idea. Yeah, he's not fast, but he's he's not afraid to shoot. He knows how to play that position. He gets himself in the right areas. And if you can get Bowen and Antonio out on the wings, you know they're both going to work their ass off. It's almost going to be like a a 4-5-1 that turns into a 4-3-3 when we get the ball and start moving forward. I, I don't really like, like – I don't think we can see Pablo Fornals out on the wing again. He just doesn't have that – the pace to make teams pay if we we do turn the ball over you know there we, we talked about the spurs game when he was basically operating as a as a left back at certain points in the game so yeah. they know opponents know what that they don't even have to worry about that side of the pitch so i'm comfortable going with that kind of more defensive uh 
defensive style, like a four-one-four-one. But I, I really think you have to have Bowen and Antonio on the wings and just you know give them the freedom to to try to you know make Chelsea pay on the counterattack. Yeah, you guys have won me over because I, I was I was thinking a four-four-two with better or different players picked would maybe make more of a difference. But I'm all on board with this four-four-three now. Fornals centrally, Rice and Suchek behind them, kind of anchoring the team, and then. Antonio playing left wing with Felipe Anderson able to play that off the bench. And then as well, up top as a striker under Yarmolenko, given a given a shake. And I think the only time he's played striker for West Ham was against Chelsea. And West Ham drew them nil-nil. Um, and he was call, being called blockhead in the, in the change room because he missed an open header. And they said it hit the corner of his head and, and went wide. Uh, I think Declan Rice was making fun of him for that. It was just before his, um, his Achilles injury. So... Uh, I would like to see that, and then obviously Bowen on the right-hand side. And the team can be mixed and matched from there, um, and it can also retreat into a 4-4-2 if need be. Um, you know, you can you can have the team adjust. Even You know, you can even have it just slide a little bit to the left almost, and Bowen drops back deeper. Fornells shifts out to the left. Antonio up top, 4-4-2, easy-peasy. And the team can, quote-unquote, defend better like that. Um but I think a big a big change for for West Ham will be having Angelo Ogbonna back. I, in hindsight, I'm appreciative that he didn't play against Spurs because I don't think it, he would have been a difference maker by himself because that that game, again, was just more pointing a, a spotlight on Moyes and his tactical ineptitudes there. Um, but it does seem like Angelo Ogbonna will be back to start. Um, Aaron, I want to come to you here. We're probably it's probably guaranteed we'll be playing a, a fourth the back situation set up here um Ogbonna is a, a must start if he does play but Issa Diop has been okay shaky at times and Balboin has come in once and been good um and ironically Moyes didn't trust him either but he came in and played really well actually so would you play Balboina and Ogbonna or would you go with Diop and, and Ogbonna at center back here Yeah, the uh, the match back in November it was Balbuena and Agbana at center back for West Ham. So if you wanna, you're looking at that for perspective. You know they've had some success against Chelsea, although granted it's a much different Chelsea team than they've been putting on the on the pitch the last few matches. But um, yeah, I thought Balbuena played really well. Diop's kind of uh, you know he's kind of been hit or miss, especially in the in the game since we've been back. But I mean Agbana and Diop did also get that. Get a, a nice little pairing going, going into the, uh, going before lockdown and whatnot. So I think you kind of have to revert to, to what was working then. That would be my kind of, kind of try to get back to the status quo. Lou, do you have anything different to say about that? Would you still pick Diop over Bob Buena or would you, uh, would you make a switch? Yeah, Bob Buena did uh, play quite well against Tottenham to be fair. He looked solid enough, but I just think, I'd, I'm just not a fan of his at the minute, I think. Whenever he gets the ball, he just looks to, he doesn't look comfortable. He looks to just hoof it away as soon as possible without thinking about, you know, the options he has around and then the best course of action. And I think, and it reminds me a little bit of uh, James Collins, actually. He used to do that as good as a, as good a, as a defender he was. But yeah, I think we need a bit of calmness and reassurance in the team. And when that panic starts to set in, you know, from the back, I think it kind of breeds through the team. So I would like to see uh, Diop and Agbana, uh 
partnership reunited for the Chelsea match. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's fair to say there. And I wanted to take a step completely out of football here or, you know, the actual match related and get your thoughts on the guy's new kit. Uh, your guys' thoughts rather on the new kit. 120th anniversary kit came out. Um, very similar to the, uh, was it the last season at the Bolin kit that they had, 2016, um, with the uh, claret body, blue sleeves on it. Um, very simple. I like the banner under the badge saying 125 years it makes it look special and different which i really like um again i think baz put out a uh an alternative logo and it had didn't have london on it and it also had um the little castle in between the crossed hammers at the top and it looked really really sharp in all fairness i I think that's a better view but i really like the badge i like the kit um i'm a big fan of it i will hopefully be be copying one of these but uh, lou do you think you'll be adding this one to the collection And, and what are your thoughts on it yeah, no, I don't generally buy uh, replica shirts anyway, to be honest. I sometimes get retro ones from back in the day, but the ones they bring out now, I'm not I'm not too much of a fan of wearing. Okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I woke up and I saw it and I thought it was quite smart. Uh, I, I, I prefer sim- the simplicity in kits rather than when they, you know, go overboard and things so I didn't mind it but then I saw everyone's comments and generally most people that I saw were had negative opinions on it they were saying it looks tacky cheap you know quick design they've not really thought anything through which I could see that side of it as well so um, personally from first view I, I, I don't mind the look of it but I can see why some people there uh, wouldn't be a fan Aaron, what are your thoughts on it? I really like it. I, uh, I'm always a big fan, whether it's, you know, hockey, baseball, any sport really of like a bit of a throwback or like that timeless kind of uh, look. And I know it's, you know, obviously very comparable to uh, the last season of the Bullin, but I, I really like that one as well. So, and I'm, uh, I mean, being a bit of a purist as well, I really like uh, white socks, white shorts. That's, you know, all the way it, the way it always was. Not that I'll be dressing up in full kit. I'm not one of those guys anymore. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And, I mean, if the away kit is going to end up being, uh, I haven't seen the official away kit yet. I don't know if they've been given. No, they haven't put those out. But if they're going to be uh, look as they've been described, then I think I'll probably be getting one of those, actually. I really like uh, like the sounds of that. Yeah, the uh, I think the away kit's going to be a, a claret and blue striped at least for the top half horizontally, and then and then blue on the bottom. So that sounds nice. And and I think X was describing the third kit as a black and gold uh, sort of option there, which I think will be really nice as well. So we could be in for a good year of kits. I just hope it's you know Premier League kits to say the least. Um, now, Lou, to check our to check our you know. If it's just the loud minority that are making these claims about the kit being lame or an imaginative, and it's a throwback retro kit, so I don't know what you really want, um, but 71% of people voted on Hammer's polls that they do like the new kit, um, and 62.6% then voted that they would not be buying the new kit. Uh, and West Ham Fan TV put out a, a question here that Hammer's polls retweeted. Um, the new kit, London on the badge or London off the badge. And as you can imagine, 88.5% said London off the badge. Uh, West Ham is East London and doesn't really need London being on the badge anyway. So uh, I think we're probably all in agreement with uh, with a lot of those. But I do like the sim- simple, simplistic 
Um, if we want a Canadian link to it here, Aaron, it's like the Blue Jays when they when they reinvented their old logo that they actually won championships with for the new team. Streamlined, sharp, looks nice, right? Yeah, exactly. Timeless, classic. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, especially like if you look at the first season at the uh, London Stadium, like remember that kit? That was just a uh, an abomination. So it's nice to just see something that's a throwback to uh, like back when times were were great back in the sixties. Yeah, exactly. The good old days. Uh, okay, it's, I guess it's time to to talk about predictions here, and I wanted to to actually. Um, go back to our Hammers Pulls friends here, our friends over at Hammers Pulls, because they asked a really important question, I think, with how the team's going to line up. And we'll go through predicted 11s here. Um, but I do want to see what you guys have to say about this. This question comes from Tony Pearson, too, at Tony Pearson, too, our favorite contributor to Hammers Pulls questions on a regular basis. Um, and he's obviously outlined that Ngakia and Zabaleta are gone from the club as of June 30th, which leaves us short at right back. Um, Fredericks is proven. Johnson's waiting for his chance. Who do you start out of those two, or do you pick somebody else? I don't know who else it would be, but somebody else at right back. Uh, Lou, I want to come to you first. Is it uh, stick with Fredericks until he gets injured, or is it time to mix in Johnson and give him the uh, Ngakia trial by fire against a, a top four team like Chelsea? Yeah, obviously uh, Johnson's had his injury troubles, but um, you know, by all accounts, he seems to be fit and raring to go now. So I think I probably would give him a go, and hopefully, you know, he does get that, uh, you know, uh, induction. Well, I don't know he's played before, but another fresh induction, and hopefully he can play like uh, Ngaki has been doing because, by all accounts, he was seem to be the better of the two uh, before he got injured and Fredericks just hasn't really impressed me uh, recently he came on against Wolves and I think he was at fault for the goal and uh, he didn't press, impress me against Tottenham either so I think uh, Johnson can do a job there and I'd like to see how he'd get on um, it, it, it'd have a tricky game, I think it'd be probably up against uh, Pulisic if he did so it certainly needs to be on the ball. Yeah, and actually, Pulisic may have taken an injury. I don't know if they if they're going to play him against us or not. But they are in you know as much as West Ham could get looked at and taken lightly by Chelsea, they are in a race for the top four with um, Spurs and Wolves and Manchester United all pushing behind them. So I think they'll actually start a strong lineup as they are able to do here. Um, and just to to reference. Their recent fixture list um, on the 21st of June, they beat Aston Villa 2-1. And then as uh, Lou, you'd mentioned, they beat uh, they beat Man City 2-1 on the FA Cup on the 25th of June. And yesterday they beat Chelsea. Sorry, that was a league match. And then yesterday they beat Chelsea in the FA Cup, I believe, um, for uh, a 1-0 victory there with Ross Barkley scoring the only goal. So they have played more games than us in the last little while here. but I do still, like I said, expect them to to play a really strong team to to get points where they can, and West Ham certainly is where they can. Uh, myself, I would I would go with Johnson just because I think you should try and preserve Frederick's health as much as possible, and and like you said, it's going to be an uphill battle anyway, so you might as well give Johnson some hard nosed experience. What about you, Aaron? Who are you picking uh, at right back for West Ham? I'd like to see Johnson get an opportunity, but I, I mean, the way David Moyes has been since football started back up, I can't really see him putting in, you know, a relatively unproven youngster over what he views as the incumbent, you know, like when he put in Ngakia, it was over Zabaleta and 
I mean, they were about to play at Liverpool, so we really didn't have much of a, a choice there. I, I just, I mean, like I said, I'd like to see Johnson get it, but I, I really don't uh, don't see Moyes giving him that opportunity. And you know what, Fred Fredericks, I don't think is bad. I think uh, against Wolves, he was at at fault for the second goal, I believe it was. But at, at the same point in time, I don't know why that substitution was made. And Gakia was playing fine. He actually grew into that game really, really well. In my opinion, he was making some really interesting touches and winning the ball back and, and actually helping West Ham. So I don't know why that change was made. Um, it seems weird to change your fullback out, especially when he's 19 years old and doing fine in the match. I would have probably put Fredericks at left back and taken Cresswell out because Traore came on, but I don't get paid the big bucks, so whatever. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think we're all on the same board here. Johnson would be our desired pick, but none of us really have the... Uh, the belief that anything exciting is going to happen from this West Ham team, certainly against Chelsea. Uh, they may, David Moyes may pick a more exciting team against Newcastle, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, but anyways, we, we digress here. Uh, all right. Uh, forget about predicted 11s because I think we've kind of gone through that a little bit. I just want your guys' score predictions here. So I want to see where we line up and our thoughts on, you know, how West Ham are going to repel that Chelsea attack and how well West Ham can capitalize on what limited chances they have. Um, Aaron, I want to come to you first here. What do you think the scoreline is going to be? And if your prediction does have West Ham getting on the board, who do you have uh, responsible for that, uh, for the goal or goals that uh, the Hammers can score? I was feeling fairly confident thinking about the fact that Chelsea had, you know, three matches in the space of a week. We always kind of seem to have their number or come, you know, competitive against them. But I was actually looking at the lineups before uh, before we started to record. And they only have, only Conte, William, and Rudiger are the only three players who have started all of uh, their past three matches. So their squad rotation's been, you know, pretty, pretty fantastic. They've done an excellent job, obviously have a lot more depth than we do. But I mean, Frank Lampard hasn't been afraid to change it up, unlike David Moyes. So that kind of took the wind out of my sails a little bit. So... <laughs> Kind of, uh, you know, try to be positive, and I, you know, I'd love to see uh, West Ham get a result here. But I mean, I think it's probably going to be two-one Chelsea, and I'll go with uh, Jared Bowen for a no. goal. Nice, I like that. I think he's deserved a goal to say the least in the start here. Uh, what about you, Lou? What's your score prediction, and do you have West Ham putting a goal in? Yeah, but I think that goal maybe a consolation goal, maybe. I'm just not confident at all after the last two matches. Uh, I just, I just can't see where a goal in normal play is coming from at the minute. With we're not creating any chances, and like I mentioned before, Moyes is devi- devoid of ideas. But so, so is our attack, and the only player who looks like doing something is uh, Jared Bowen. So if he can muster up uh, something. You know, out of the blue, that would be magical. Um, in general, our defence hasn't looked too bad, and even though we conceded four goals uh, over the last two games, they've both the, all the goals have been on when we perhaps got a little bit tired and the game's wearing on a bit. But if we can keep our concentration going on to to uh, you know the depths of the second half, I think we may be able to able to scrape a nil nil out of it. But uh, otherwise, realistically, I, I can't really see us stopping Chelsea scoring at the minute. So uh, I, I'll probably go one nil Chelsea. Um, but in a hopeful world, I'll say one one. 
where I agree Bowen uh, might be most likely to get the goal. Yeah, I, I was thinking 1-1, and that was going to be my hopeful one. I think it may be my, – my hopeful one will be 1-1, and I, and I think Yarmolenko will step up and get a goal with a limited opportunity to show he can be trusted and used, even at striker. I don't know if he'll start at striker, but I really hope that he would. Um, but uh, I, I would peg him for a goal. Uh, Kepa's not the best at shots from range, as it is. So I think um, you know putting balls on net could be – the ultimate game changer that sounds so simple and almost stupid but i think if west ham shoot the ball and get it on net it could change things offensively for them uh realistically i'd say probably two nil chelsea and that may even be a little bit too optimistic um Giroud likes scoring against us and he was not used uh or didn't start the match anyways against Le- uh, lester uh tammy abraham did so maybe we see Giroud step up and and uh He's always pretty clinical, even when he was at Arsenal. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, any final thoughts from any of us here? I, You guys have both really got me excited about a 4-4-3 with Yarmolenko, Bowen, and Antonio up top. So that's what I'm excited about. That's what I want to see more about. Um, but, uh, Aaron, anything else going into this game that excites you or has you nervous or anything in general? Well, I feel I should throw in my hopeful since I said a negative 2-1 loss. And I'll say my hopeful is uh, to keep the tradition of the 1-0 victory for West Ham, like for my hopeful prediction. Okay. Um, yeah. And my final thought really is I was just glancing at uh, if we want to look for any good omen, if anybody believes in that. But David Moyes actually got his first victory for uh, West Ham against Chelsea back in December 2017. Marco Arnautovic uh, scoring in the sixth minute, and then they parked the bus for 84. So let's just hope that maybe uh, maybe some magic can happen and we can uh, get a result here. All right. And Lou, any final thoughts as we head into a midweek, mid- mid-week tough matchup? <laughs> no, it's probably only going to be a downbeat if I say anything. So um, I'll let, I think I'll let the podcast stand on a high note with Aaron's, uh, you know, opportunity, uh, optimistic, um, sorry, uh, approach to the game, and hopefully history can uh, repeat itself. All right, I couldn't say any better than that, and, and maybe Aaron Cresswell's got a little more magic left in his right boot this time. Uh, but that'll do it for us here, episode sixty-nine in the books. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, come on, you Irons. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 